Tell It on the Mountain by Lady Shadowfire. Rating is teen and up audiences. No archive mornings apply. Category is male-male. Fandom is supernatural. Relationship, Castiel slash Sam Winchester. Character, Castiel, Sam Winchester, Dean Winchester. Additional tags, alternate universe, timeline divergence, accidental wing manifestation, truth compulsions, frank discussions of sexuality and intimacy, references to Sam Winchester's hell trauma, no trips to purgatory, Castiel needs time to regain his full strength, Naomi does not want to give Castiel that time, Dean Winchester is emotionally constipated, Dean Winchester does not like being separated from his brother. Sam Winchester refuses to leave Castiel alone and defenseless. Angelic mating and bonding rituals. Shade thrown at canned tomato soup. Sam Winchester is grateful for Hunter paranoia. Summary. Castiel was able to protect himself and Dean when Dick Roman exploded, but it weakened him badly as did getting Kevin away from Crowley and back to the safety of his mother. When angels show up under orders from Naomi to bring Castiel in by whatever means necessary, a banishing sigil is the most effective way to get rid of them. If only it didn't mean banishing a weakened Castiel too. If only Sam had not been dragged along for the ride. Notes. Secret Santa gift for Mrs. Hoosie Wutzes over on Tumblr for the Pond Supernatural Secret Santa event. Merry, happy, whatever you celebrate, dear. It was instinct that made Sam lunge for and grab hold of Castiel's arm when Dean's hand hit the banishing sigil. Weakened as he still was from the confrontation at Sucrecor, when he had shielded himself and Dean from the backlash of exploding Dick, Castiel was still an angel and while the sigil would definitely get rid of the angels attacking them on orders from Naomi long enough for Dean and Sam to get away, a part of Sam was screaming that Castiel wasn't strong enough to take a banishing right now. He had hoped to somehow keep Castiel from being banished at all, that the angels' weakened grace would mean Sam could anchor him. But as the sigil flared to life, and every angel cried out as they were ripped away from the warehouse, Sam felt it when the sigil latched onto Castiel's meager grace and sent him and Sam both hurtling through the folds of reality. They landed in a heap, limbs tangled together in an ungainly sprawl on the ground. The first thing that Sam noticed beyond how much his body ached from the way it had felt like he was being ripped into atoms and scattered by the sigil was that Castiel was unconscious against him. The second thing he noticed was the presence of massive dark feathered wings wrapped around him, as if Castiel had instinctively reached with his wings to protect Sam the way Sam had instinctively reached to try and keep Castiel anchored. The third thing he noticed was that they were somewhere very, very cold and high up, with snow and rocks and thinner air than he was used to. The fourth thing he noticed was his cell phone ringing. Dean? He groaned into the phone when he finally managed to fumble the device out of his pocket and open it with hands shaking from firing nerves and freezing air. Sam. 
Dean's voice came through the crackling line, loud and panicked. Damn it, where the hell are you? With Cass. Sam coughed. Damn, even that hurt. Ow. I grabbed him to try and keep from being banished with the other angels, but the sigil banished him too. And I got dragged along for the ride. Can he get you back here? Was the next predictable question. He's unconscious. Sam informed his brother. His grace was so depleted. I didn't want to risk him ending up somewhere he couldn't get back from. And now you're stranded who the fuck knows where until he wakes up? Dean yelled, making Sam wince and pull the phone away from his ear. What if those asshat angels Naomi sent after us recover first and decide to target him and find you, huh? Then they find me and Cass and I probably end up killing an angel, Sam growled. I'm not leaving him alone and defenseless, Dean. And aside from some bruises from the landing, I'm fine. Save your worry about me and get yourself somewhere safe behind wards so they can't come back and grab you to use as a hostage. There was a tense silence from the other end of the phone connection. And then finally Dean grumbled. You both had better make it back in one piece. You hear me? I'll call you when Cass has recovered enough to fly us out and you can tell us where to meet you. Sam promised. Dean wasn't completely satisfied with that, but he only grumbled a little more before hanging up. Sam's sigh of relief quickly turned into a shiver as the wind picked up enough to send a gust of cold air in between Castiel's wings to bite at his neck. They needed to get out of the snow and under some cover before Sam at least started getting hypothermia, even if Castiel seemed to be unconsciously protecting him from the worst of the cold with his wings. There was something there, some bit of lore about humans and angel wings that was on the edge of Sam's recall, but he was too focused now on their continued survival to think about it beyond the insulation properties they were currently demonstrating. Much as he didn't want to move out of their shelter, he knew he was going to need to get up and look around for somewhere safe to hole up until Castiel regained consciousness, and he would probably do that faster if his grace didn't have to work so hard to keep his vessel and Sam as well, from freezing out in the open. With that in mind, Sam shoved his phone back inside his pocket the best he could and awkwardly fumbled to brace himself somewhere that wasn't on an unconscious angel to lift his head and look around. To his relief, they seemed to have landed near a cleared area that had the dip beneath the snow of a worn path or animal track. And higher up, perhaps 50 yards or so along, Sam could just make out the shape of a blocky, boxy structure tucked partially into the trees. Extracting himself from Castiel's wings was tricky due to the way that they kept curling around him, and the air beyond them was unpleasantly cold. So Sam eventually managed to awkwardly crouch over Castiel and lift him up to hold him upright against his chest, positioning his booted feet carefully under the more slick dress shoes and then awkwardly frog-walking them both up the path through the snow, toward the structure that he hoped would be up to providing shelter. It was a cabin, small, maybe just one room and no guarantee of plumbing, but solid. Even better, none of the windows appeared to be broken, and the lock was simple enough for Sam to pick one-handed. Not for the first time did Sam give silent thanks, while being very careful not to actually allow the thought to become prayer that the paranoid hunter lifestyle he led meant that he always had his lockpicks and a couple of disposable lighters on his person at all times. The door closed behind them, 
cutting them off from the wind, and Sam let out the breath he had been trying to hold onto and surveyed the interior. The fireplace with its accompanying chimney caught his attention first, along with the small stack of chopped wood set against the stone. Eventual safe source of external heat. Check. Next thing he saw was the table with two chairs that seemed to be in a section, designated a kitchen with a sink and a hand pump. Potential source of water? Tentative check. With snow outside to melt as a backup. Mental note to check for a pot or kettle in the cabinets that can be stuck in or over the fire to heat water. And a second mental note to inventory what food might be available. And then Sam's eyes landed on the bed against the far wall, approximately queen size with a somewhat dusty-looking quilt and two thin pillows on a solid-looking wooden frame. It was this direction he chose, shuffling over towards the bed and almost toppling over onto it. The quilt was indeed dusty when Sam fumbled it up one-handed to shake it towards the end of the bed. He left it crumpled there to give it a more thorough shake outside when he had a moment. Instead, carefully easing Castiel onto the bed and maneuvering him to where his head rested on one of the pillows and his legs stretched out along the somewhat lumpy mattress. Not the most comfortable place to sleep, but not the worst, and definitely better for retaining body heat than trying to sleep on the floor. With the angel situated as comfortably as Sam could manage, he set about extracting himself from the feathered embrace again. Castiel's wings were no more willing to let Sam go than they had been outside. But now Sam had the advantage of height, an angle, to shimmy his way down along Castiel's body, until he could slip free of the wings, which promptly folded closed around Castiel. Sam hoped that was a good sign, and went to get a fire started in the fireplace opening the flue so the room would not end up choked with smoke. By the time he heard Castiel starting to stir from the direction of the bed, Sam had a decent fire going, and the small cabin was considerably warmer than it had been. He had also managed to find a couple of cans of tomato soup that had not yet expired to add to the pot of melted snow that had started coming down about 20 minutes after they'd gotten into the cabin and was now coming down hard enough to block the view of the outside. Sam? I'm here, Cass, Sam called back. He checked the soup, then moved it a little away from the fire to keep it from burning before getting up and approaching the bed, and the prone angel blinking at him. How are you feeling? Sore, Castiel said at length, pronouncing the word with the careful deliberation of someone who is trying out a word and feeling surprised that it fits. What? Where? Dean used the banishing sigil. Sam answered him. I grabbed you to try and keep it from taking you away with the angels attacking us, but instead it took me along with you. We landed somewhere up in some mountains near this cabin, and I'm hoping you'll be able to tell where once you've recovered more. I'm fine. Dean's also fine. Though worried about us. And getting himself somewhere safe. And there's a snowstorm kicking up outside. But I've got a fire going, so we won't freeze and there's some tomato soup if you think eating something will help. Eating may help, Castiel admitted, looking rather disgruntled by it. He shifted carefully as if moving to sit up, his wings unfurling a little, and then froze, his eyes wide. Sam? My wings. Your wings were out when we landed, and they seemed pretty determined to stay wrapped around me. Sam said gently, 
hoping the confirmation would not cause Castiel too much distress. His stomach dropped when Castiel only looked more alarmed, and he hurried to add, I'm sorry I couldn't ask you for permission before touching them. I know that's important, though I can't quite remember why. They're really soft and warm. He finished on a mumble, finally able to make himself shut up as he ducked his head. While I would have preferred to be awake for it, I do not mind you touching my wings. Castiel said after a moment. His tone sounded a little off to Sam, though, and when he peered up through the fall of his hair, at Castiel's face, the angel's expression was a mix of consternation and dismay. Catching Sam looking at him, he carefully pushed himself up the rest of the way to a seated position and asked, Sam, can you lie to me? I usually prefer not to, Sam answered cautiously, biting his lip when Castiel rolled his eyes. Do you mean can I lie to you right now? Yes, that is what I meant. Castiel answered, I understand you prefer not to, but please do try to tell me a lie now. Um, okay, Sam said, casting around in his mind for something that he could possibly lie about before opening his mouth and saying, I actually don't mind hearing Dean call me Sammy, even when I say otherwise, because when he does, it feels a little like he's forgiven me for fucking up so much, and he still loves me and sees me as his brother instead of a demon-tainted monster he has to watch for when I go dark side. Castiel blinked. Sam blinked, feeling himself going a little lightheaded. I didn't mean to say any of that. I believe you. Castiel nodded slowly. That is not something you would readily admit to anyone, much less me, if you were not being compelled to speak nothing but truth. And yes, I know what is causing it. He added, apparently anticipating the question Sam had just opened his mouth to ask. It is a facet of what happens when a human touches an angel's wings. Normally, an angel would only show their wings to a human with whom that angel wishes to form a permanent mating bond. The bond is initiated once the human touches the angel's wings. And then both the human and the angel are then under a compulsion to speak only the truth to each other for up to a week or until the bond is consummated to ensure there is no deception or miscommunication between the two and they both desire the bonding to proceed. That sounds like something I really should have remembered. Sam muttered a little weakly reaching up to scrub a hand over his face. So, what does that mean for us right now? Since you didn't show me your wings on purpose, it means that for the next week, you and I cannot lie to each other. Castiel answered with a shrug, his wings moving with the motion enough to draw Sam's attention until he dragged his eyes resolutely back to Castiel's face. There was already something of a bond between the two of us from when I raised you from the cage and then later took on your pain, though it has never been formalized as such before you touched my wings. Although considering this, I suspect that my wings acted to protect you when you were dragged along with me by the banishing sigil, so it is more accurate to say that my wings touched you. When Sam could only stare at him, Castiel gave a small, somewhat rueful smile. I will attempt to apologize if you wish but I find that I do not feel particularly regretful beyond having lost consciousness and being unable to explain all this sooner. 
as I have already admitted that I do not mind the idea of you touching my wings, and the time frame will not reset with further contact, it will be useful to have them physically present to provide further insulation against the cold for you while I regain enough strength to fly. Well, that last part was something Sam could wrap his head around more easily than all the rest of it. How soon do you think that will be? And is there any way I can help you regain your strength faster? Don't get me wrong. Under other circumstances, I wouldn't be in any kind of hurry for us to leave, even with the limited resources available. But I don't know how long my phone's battery is going to last. And you know how Dean gets when he's worried. I am familiar, yes. Castile said dryly, sparking a soft chuckle from Sam. Yeah, after this many years... Castiel probably knew almost as well as Sam what Dean was like when he was in any number of moods. More seriously, the angel continued, It will take me approximately 76 hours to regain enough strength to fly under present conditions. Were I able to draw in my wings rather than leaving them manifested, the time would shorten to 63 hours, half that time if I still had access to my vessel's soul to bolster my grace as it meant to be the case when angels are on extended furlough from heaven. But you can't, because Jimmy was reaped during the apocalypse, so you're alone in there. Sam guessed, grimacing when Castiel nodded. And the reason you can't draw in your wings is because we are in the first stage of bonding as mates. Castiel finished. Sam tried not to wince. That was definitely a more delicate way of saying, you touched my wings and now we're engaged despite the directness, and Castiel was watching him with a faintly troubled expression. With careful deliberation, the angel said, Sam, if you do not need to immediately tend to either the fire or the soup, I would appreciate it if you could sit down with me while we have this conversation. It was a question that wasn't phrased as a question, Sam realized. No expectation of verbal response. No compulsion for speaking just a statement of what Castiel wanted without demand or requirement to answer or comply. It was actually more considerate than Sam could have expected even Dean to be under the circumstances, and it eased a small portion of his nerves, even as it made his stomach flutter in a way he didn't want to pay too close attention to at the moment. A glance towards the fire let him know that it was still burning well, and the soup wasn't too close to the flames. So Sam gingerly perched himself on the bed doing his best not to sit on or jostle Castiel's nearest wing. R. He started, then stopped and bit his lower lip as he made himself work out a better, less demanding phrase for what he wanted to ask. If Castiel was going to be considerate like that, the least he could do was reciprocate the lack of direct questions. I would like to know if there is anything else that can help you regain strength. Anything that you might not otherwise tell me out of. I don't know, concern for my mental health or comfort, even if it turns out to be something I can't do for whatever reason, I would much rather have all the information before making any decisions. Of course, Castiel answered, recognition and understanding lighting up his eyes only to be followed swiftly by sorrow. Sam dropped his eyes and tried not to hunch in on himself, because of course Castiel would be able to pick up on why not having all the information available might bother Sam after so many times, when a lack of specific information had proved critical, fatal, 
or even outright apocalyptic. With his eyes down, Sam couldn't see the angel's face, but he did see the way his wings twitched forwards, as if to wrap around him before going still again. There are two other methods for bringing me rapidly to greater strength. The first is to make direct contact with a soul of sufficient strength, though this method would cause much physical pain to the human in question and potentially trigger a traumatic flashback in someone who has previously been subjected to an attempt at direct contact for investigative purposes, despite not necessarily remembering the event. Right, Sam mumbled, easily catching the implications since he was the only human around. There was a brief flash of memory, of Castiel standing over him, and the feel and taste of leather between his teeth, before pain flared and the memory slipped away again. Let's table that one as perhaps a last resort for now, and I would still like to hear the second method. We consummate the bond through sexual intercourse, Castiel said, blunt but subdued, and Sam froze. With the bond fully consummated, solemnized and sealed, I would be able to not only draw in my wings to better conserve my grace, but I would also be able to draw upon your strength through our bond to regain my strength. There are, of course, other effects of a solemnized bond, but those are the ones relevant to the question of our ability to fly back to rejoin Dean, when he is somewhere safe. While this would be a much less physically painful or potentially triggering method, it is not one I would choose to rush simply for the sake of expediency. Yeah, no, that, uh... Sam swallowed against the tight knot in his throat and shook his head. I mean, spur-of-the-moment marriages are usually a bad idea by human standards, even with the reputation Vegas chapels have. And I'm betting angel marriage is a bit more permanent than the standard human until death do us part bit, never mind until the ink on the annulment paperwork is dry. Considerably so, yes. Castiel agreed. Sam just caught it when Castiel's eyes flicked up to Sam and then skittered away again. Though, too, I have seen successful marriages made for political reasons become well-suited matches through time and mutual respect and communication. An angelic marriage would certainly not lack for time. And I understand friendship is considered a good basis for a relationship, even one between a human and an angel. Though, of course... The angel would understand if his previous betrayals prevent the human from considering him as a potential romantic partner. It could not possibly be what it sounded like. It couldn't. Sam had to be misunderstanding somehow, because the words he was hearing, soft, earnest, achingly sincere, and unbelievable, made it sound like Castiel was saying that he wanted to marry Sam but that he thought Sam wouldn't want to marry him. That he thought Sam had never looked at him that way. That he'd never lain awake at night, trying desperately not to let his painful longing thoughts become prayers. That he hadn't clung to and treasured every touch and hug and glance that was sent his way without some sort of prompting of injury or expediency. That he hadn't already forgiven Castiel the betrayal while he was under the control of the Leviathans, or the harsh words spoken while under heaven's control, or stressed out from fear, or hung over during the apocalypse. 
that he wasn't painfully, hopelessly in love with his brother's guardian angel, whom he'd thought only tolerated him or, at best, liked him as an extension of Dean. Soup, he croaked, feeling the heat of embarrassment rushing to his face when Castiel looked up at him in confusion. He cleared his throat, swallowed, and said in what he hoped was a mostly normal tone, We should have the soup, because I haven't eaten since yesterday, and you said eating would help you conserve your grace so it rebuilds faster. And, you know, sharing a meal is important in a lot of human cultures as, as part of courtship. Say it, Winchester. Just fucking say it. And maybe, maybe the human who made the soup for the angel only didn't consider the option of a, a romantic relationship because he still feels tainted by the demon blood and didn't think the angel would ever see him as more than a friend if he was lucky. Silence answered him. Castiel staring up at him with a wide-eyed expression that nearly verged on panic. When the panic changed to outright grief, his wings practically vibrating with the visible effort the angel was putting into keeping them still, Sam felt his stomach drop down into his boots. It seemed that he had definitely misread what Castiel had been saying, and his only saving grace, so to speak, would be that Castiel was unlikely to be cruel or mocking when he turned him down. Even so, the urge to run away was strong despite the snowstorm that was rapidly turning into a small blizzard outside, meaning he had no real place to run besides back to the fire and the soup. Dropping his eyes again and mumbling something to that effect, Sam shifted his weight to get up, only to be stopped short as Castiel's hand shot out and wrapped around his wrist. Not tight enough to hurt, but solid enough that Sam wasn't moving without hurting himself. Sam froze, looking up with reluctance, to find Castiel staring at him with some sort of mingled determination and pleading. The hand gripping his wrist relaxed and slid down along the back of Sam's, as the angel's other hand came up, two hands enfolding his, in a painfully familiar clasp that had once stood in lieu of a handshake, in a dingy motel just before Halloween. Sam felt his stomach swoop and clench. Sam Winchester, the boy with demon blood. Sam Winchester, the boy who has been mistreated by both hell and heaven, whose soul bears the scars of both demon blood and angelic grace, and yet shines brighter than any other soul I have seen. Castiel whispered, staring up into Sam's wide eyes with an intensity that outstripped the expression he'd once worn in a different room while speaking to Sam under the watchful eye of both their brothers. They were alone together now, and the earnestness in Castiel's face could not be mistaken. The boy whose quick mind, strength of will, and compassionate heart show themselves as readily, if not more so than your skills in battle who chooses time and again to put yourself in harm's way to save others and offer to help those in need who never stops wanting to do good in the world, even when tricked or manipulated to do otherwise. Please forgive my thoughtless words upon our meeting, words I never should have uttered, and know that you have more than earned my respect and admiration. It is I, whom honored to have been granted the chance to truly know you 
and be counted as your friend, and I would be more than honored if you would ever consider me as a potential mate. I'm in love with you, Sam blurted out, feeling the heat rushing into his face as Castile blinked at him. He didn't let go of Sam's hand, though, and Sam found that he couldn't make himself shut up now that he had started. I tried not to be, and I wasn't ever going to say anything because I didn't think I had a chance in hell, heaven, or anywhere in between that you'd ever be interested in me like that. And I kind of thought you had a major thing for Meg, but I can't seem to stop myself from saying it now. And I really want to know what other effects consummating the bond will have for both of us so I can think those through and come to terms with what's going to happen to us before we do it. But if you really mean that you would want to marry me, then it's definitely a win, rather than an if, on fully bonding with you because... Sam swallowed, blinking as his eyes started to blur, and tried to smile at the shock and hope beaming up at him from Castiel's upturned face. Because you're everything I could ever want in a mate, and more than I ever dared dream I could have. May I? Castiel started, then cut himself off, a flicker of frustration crossing his face before disappearing just as quickly. More carefully deliberate, he said, I would like to ask your permission to kiss you, and to embrace you with my wings but I do not wish to pressure you into physical intimacy, and I am unsure of my ability to release you again once my wings are around you. As well, I do not wish to waste your efforts making the soup for us. It took Sam a moment to swallow back the lump in his throat, and how sad was it that basic consideration for his comfort was so rare that he was getting choked up over it? Honestly, the level of consideration Castiel was showing for Sam was endearing and definitely contributing to the fact that when was looking more and more likely to happen before the allotted week. Once he thought he could speak again, he offered. Maybe we could move over to the fireplace and I can check on the soup to make sure it's still warm. And then you could hold me with your wings while we eat and you can tell me what else will happen when we... Um, consummate. That sounds like a most agreeable plan, Castiel said with a relieved smile. Sam grabbed the comforter as they left the bed and spread it on the floor in front of the fire, then went to the kitchen to grab the packet of paper bowls that had been tucked into the back corner of one otherwise empty cabinet. He brought them over to the fire and crouched down beside it, reaching for the pot and shifting it back closer to the fire. Castiel shuffled over to join him about the same time that Sam was carefully using the chipped wooden spoon to dish up soup into two of the paper bowls. No spoons, sorry, he said as Castiel settled on the comforter beside Sam and accepted the offered bowl. Whoever actually owns the place cleaned it out pretty thoroughly when they left, so it was probably intended as a vacation house. Where are we anyway? Castiel frowned slightly and tilted his head staring off towards one of the walls for a long moment before blinking and settling himself against Sam's side, one of his wings unfurling to curve around Sam's shoulders. Colorado. Wait, really? Sam blinked, startled. They'd been in Massachusetts, and with the altitude and the snow, he'd almost expected Castiel to say Nepal or someplace like that. So close? Yes. 
That is how the banishing sigil works, tapping into the grace of the angel being banished to propel them away. Castiel glanced up with a wry sort of self-deprecating smile. Given the low levels of grace I possessed at the time, plus you being dragged along with me, the banishing sigil could only fling us so far. The others, with much stronger grace at their disposal and no extra graceless passengers, would have been sent considerably farther afield. Guess that'll make it easier to get back to Dean once he calls to say where he is. Sam sighed, running a hand back through his hair as he tried not to hope that Dean would take a few more hours to get somewhere he considered safe and warded enough before calling. Maybe he wouldn't call until he got to someplace like Rufus's cabin. Colorado to Wyoming would certainly be a lot easier for Castiel to manage, even with low power, than trying to get back up to the New England coast. He took a sip of the soup in his own bowl. Yeah, that was canned tomato soup in all its bland and slightly salty, underwhelming glory, and then gingerly slid one arm around Castiel beneath the wing draped over him. Hoping he didn't look nearly as nervous as he felt to Castiel's gaze, he said, So, effects? I suppose the most immediate effect would be our connection. Castiel offered after a moment of thought. Right now, besides the compulsion for truth which will fade with consummation, there is a certain mental sense of each other. If I were to walk out into the storm and the snow bury my tracks, and conceal my passage, you would be able to find me without issue, as I would be able to find my way back to you. Useful, Sam commented. How many times had they been separated and wished that the sigils on his and Dean's ribs didn't prevent Castiel from being able to find them along with any other angel? Indeed. Castiel paused to take a sip of his own bowl of soup scrunching up his nose a bit at the taste of it in a way Sam tried not to think of too loudly as adorable, then took a longer drink of it. Another effect that is probably more pertinent to you is that the bond and subsequent addition of grace to your soul will often activate latent or suppressed psychic abilities in humans, already predisposed towards having them. Your own abilities already have some rudimentary training. But once the blocks left behind by Azazel and Ruby are dismantled, there may be an adjustment period. Castiel glanced up at Sam and added, And I promise to take Dean somewhere isolated to vent his unreasonable fits of temper over that, until he is ready to listen to me explain in small words that your powers are perfectly natural and no more dangerous than those displayed by Pamela Barnes or Missouri Mosley when not being fueled by the consumption of supernatural bodily fluids. Might want to just say demon blood there. Sam mumbled, wishing the mention of bodily fluids hadn't put the image into his head of what might happen when sucking Castiel off and getting a mouthful of angel semen. From the look that crossed Castiel's face, he might not have kept that thought as quiet as he'd hoped, but at least Castiel let it go. The only other effect that I can think of to mention is that, once bonded, short of you walking bodily back into hell, you will come to me in heaven at the end of your natural lifespan. But as you and Dean have already been guaranteed your places in heaven by my father, it seems superfluous to count. He said, dropping his gaze to study the soup with a narrow look. Beyond that, 
I am uncertain as to what may be applicable. It has historically been quite rare for an angel to choose to fully bond with a human rather than another angel, though I'm sure you are aware of how many angels found basic copulation with humans to be enjoyable, if not always careful or wise giving the resulting Nephilim and the frequent lack of interest on the part of the angel parent in actually parenting their offspring. No chance of surprise Nephilim between us, at least not with me being male and you and your current vessel. Sam hummed. I mean, barring shenanigans from someone or something powerful enough to get around that. And that was another thought he should probably leave unexplored for as long as possible. Castiel was looking hesitant again. Cass? I, regarding my vessel. Castiel started, then trailed off, looking frustrated again. While I am indifferent towards sexual orientation, I am aware that most humans have specific preferences regarding potential sexual partners. At my present level of power, I am unable to alter the shape of my vessel prior to consummation, nor am I able to find a new vessel while my wings are manifested. I do not know how to ask this question without either requiring an answer or risking offense if my concerns for our compatibility are unfounded. If you're trying to ask if I mind your vessel being male, Sam said, tightening the hold he had around Castiel's waist gently. I don't. I've always been a lot more concerned with who a person is over what they look like. If you're comfortable in your vessel as it is, you don't need to alter it for me at all. Oh. Castiel mumbled, leaning into Sam's side. After a moment, he set aside the soup bowl and looked up again. Sam, may I kiss you now? Instead of answering verbally, Sam set his own bowl aside on the hearth and turned to face Castiel, reaching up to cup the side of his angel's face and bending down to brush his lips across those of his angel. They did not stop kissing for quite some time.